0: Testing one, two, testing one, two, testing one, two, three, and we are a go. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the official first episode of the new Lonely Hearts Sports Podcast, formerly the Jerry's World Podcast. We've done a rebrand. I am still your host, Jerry. I am now joined by my good friend and my co-host, Jake Sosha, for the Lonely Hearts Sports Podcast. Sir, welcome aboard to this project. I'm glad to have you along. How are you feeling?
1: I'm good. I'm happy to be a part of this with you. Happy uh you got this rebrand going, it's a nice little touch, I'm, I'm happy to be here with your, as your co-host, uh, just talking sports, but I've been good,
0: I've been good. Yeah, that's, that's good, that's good. Yeah, I figured, you know, a rebrand was needed, I took a hiatus for a couple weeks, uh, a couple people reached out to me, asked me what was going on, I was kind of just like enjoying the weather, then I realized, because it was like 80 degrees, then I realized like, I just had I just ran out of topics to discuss and I'm like, you know what, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now that like is just going to piss people off. So I figured, all right, I know sports. I know sports won't piss. I know sports will always cause topic and will always cause debates over topics and stir the pot a little bit without having to go across that line. So I figured, all right, might as well rebrand as a sports podcast and two is always better than one. So I figured, all right, let's see. I I knew that you had mentioned to me about your podcast and what was going on there. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's do what I sh- probably should have done in the first place and have you as a co-host.
1: No, yeah. I love the idea. You know, we, I love talking sports. I mean, me and you basically text on Instagram or Snapchat all day about anything that goes on in the sports world. So kind of, Kind of makes perfect sense for us to be doing this together.
0: Um, Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So let's jump right into it with our first official episode. And I want our first, today we're going, going to discuss the European Super League. R.I.P. to the European Super League, by the way, too. Sunday, April 18th to 2021 to Tuesday, April 20th of 2021 it was a very short-lived league probably the shortest elite elite, shortest lived league in the history of any professional sports league yeah you know what what is it saying as it goes uh
1: all good things must come to an end well (laughs) that doesn't even apply here because it was never a good thing to begin with but happy it died down but I'm sure the football world Won't forget what some of these owners had did these past two days to the beautiful game.
0: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And even, even though this European Super League was such short lived, I want to go back to Sunday and, you know, kind of like, you know, go go over the events of the past couple of days and what had happened up until now, the disillusion of the European Super League, well, it's going to end anyways. I mean, most of the clubs have already pulled out of it, but I want to go back to Sunday and just talk about like how the rumors were circulating about how the 12 clubs that were going to join this European Super League as the quote-unquote founding members what, just came about. I mean, with a year, there were talks for years about a European uh, Super League potentially happening. Um, he, former Arsenal manager Arsene Wegner predicted that one would eventually happen in 10 years down the road. He was a couple years off uh, just with that. But based on everything, like with what he was saying and with the, all the shortcomings and everything, he, I'm. I'm not surprised that an announcement like like that had happened because of how the game of soccer, especially European soccer, has just become more and more like associated with greed. So I'm not shocked that that announcement like that happened. But when the announcement had happened and all the rumors were circulating, it caused a stir not just between fans but also many analysts and pundit pundits which are analysts over in england to and england and europe to just to let the audience of this podcast know that just some new terminology there uh it caused a stir like i said which really I mean, it didn't come as a shock to me, to be honest. I mean, what what came as a shock to me was that the, these rumors and the announcement was happening, like, during games, after games, were in the middle of the season. So a lot of people, like, thought that, like, it was a joke at first. A lot of people, like, were kind of were upset that these rumors were happening I remember watching. I I remember like seeing the the initial rumors when I was watching Manchester United play Burnley, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh boy, we're announcing a European Super League, and we're struggling to beat Burnley, who are relegation threatened." But (laughs) um, but Wendy and but that's in our conversation for like like a later point in the show. But when the announcement officially came Sunday night um i'm not going to lie like i was pissed i'm assuming you were pissed but i want to go more in depth about like what a european super league would been like just uh to explain to our audience of the podcast how it would be different compared to like what so- what european soccer and that structure is um so for the european soccer league it would it would have been more of like the European super league, it would have been more of like how the, like our sports are American sports, where there's no promotion relegation. It's the same teams playing each other week in and week out. Um, and it would have been all the top, the quote unquote top clubs of the wor- in the world. When in reality, it was just the richest clubs in the world. And from that standpoint, your true European soccer fans were very pissed off at that. Much like you and I, uh, we uh, we obviously just had very strong opinions on it. And I just want to know, like, what was your initial reaction about uh, the rumors circulating and then going into, like, the official announcement that was made that Sunday night?
1: So, actually, it goes back to probably about, like, it had to be about a year or two years ago, there was, like, rumors swirling around about it. Like, it came over on Instagram one day, and it said that were, there were was talks of having a European Super League, whatever, like, the top teams. And it caught my eye, but, like, nothing was ever done onto it. It was never moved upon, and it kind of just fell off. I saw that. But it, my first initial thought just gave me like that would be just the dumbest thing ever. But then going into Sunday and seeing it kind of, like, fluctuate as it did and kind of come to life. It pissed me off because it's just not this game of soccer that everyone has grown up knowing and loving. It's the battles between it's the battles between when you see a team battling a relegation playing a number one team and them having that upset. It's kind of like in March of Manus, you see a 16 like go up against the one and you're praying for that upset. In that case, you get to see those with this Super League. You wouldn't get to see any of that. I mean, to play devil's advocate, like, yeah, it'd be cool to see Juventus go play Barcelona every week and like United play Real or whatever you have it, but it's just not the game of soccer. And it just goes to show how like these owners really are so greedy for money. I mean, to, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second, but like it's good on paper because they would bring in so much money. I'm sure again here paying doubles advocate. I'm sure all of these top clubs are sick of kind of paying salaries for the lower clubs just by how much money their club brings in especially for games and stuff when away fans go to like say Liverpool traveling to Burnley, how many so how many travelers are going there just getting the money from that and so on and so forth. but I just hate the idea altogether. It's the dumbest it's just the dumbest thing ever especially no relegation, no one's allowed in or out of it. And to tell me you're going to have Tottenham and
0: Arsenal in a Super League, what what kind of Super League even is that? Oh, I mean, to build off of those comments there, sir, oh my good sir, I I completely agree with you there. I mean, when you look at the list of teams that were listed as the founding members, quote unquote, of this Super League, you had the, the quote unquote big six of English football in the Premier League, then you had... Real Madrid, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. then you had AC Milan, Inter Milan and Juventus. No soccer clubs from Germany or, or France were invited or were even considering it uh, because well, in Germany you can't. In Germany, you can't actually do that anyways because of the 50 plus one rule and to the audience that the and to the audience that's kind of like how the green bay packers are operated they're owned by they're pretty much owned by the fans uh in and in the city of green bay so like in germany but clubs like Bayern munich borussia dortmund they're owned for the, by the majority They're majority owned by their supporters even though they have a president and a chairman and people that actually like run the club their supporters still have a say Whereas like the Green Bay Packers and the NFL, that is still grandfathered into how their run as an organization, too. So there's a little bit compare. There's a little comparison there between one of one of the founding NFL franchises and the German Bundesliga clubs. But, yes, I that's one thing that really irked me and it made me laugh, too, actually. It made me laugh more than than irked me, actually, because I was seeing this list. And I'm like, okay, you've got Arsenal, ninth place Arsenal, who struggled (laughs) to draw, relegation threatened Fulham, and Tottenham, who haven't won a trophy in in 13 years now. I mean, uh, who haven't won a trophy in 13 years now. And the majority of these clubs haven't won Europe's top competition which is the UEFA Champions League? To our to let the audience know, they have um, the majority of them haven't won it in years. I mean, Liverpool and Real Madrid being the exceptions because Liverpool won the Champions League in 2019, and Real Madrid won the Champions League uh, four years out four years out of five. I mean, you've got Man United who haven't won it since 2008. Man City never won it. Arsenal, they only ma- they made a Champions League final back in 2006. Tottenham another and jo- that it just continues on about how much of a joke it was for Arsenal and Tottenham. Tottenham ha- made the final in 2019 but they've never won it. Uh, Milan ha- neither Milan club has won it since uh the early 2000s. Uh, Juventus hasn't won it since the 1990s. Uh last making a fi- even though they made a final back in 2017. Um, it, so looking at like the status of these clubs in Europe just made me laugh at it because on the pitch in terms of their European success outside of their domestic leagues, it really kind of showed that like, okay, these aren't the best clubs in the world right now. When you really think about it, they're just the richest clubs in the world. And that just does, and that does go to show how greedy the owners are, in terms of it. And I just want to point out uh, a few people in particular, Uh, Juventus owner and chairman, Andrea Agnelli, uh, Real Madrid president, Florentino Perez, Manchester United uh, co-chairman, Joe, Joel Glazer, Arsenal owner, Stan Kroenke and Liverpool owner, John Henry. Um, Pretty much these five were like the driving force behind this. And, uh, especially the three, um, uh, the three Premier League owners—they're all American. So, uh, so they all have their—they all—they all have investments in different assets. Okay, the Glazer family owning the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Stan Kroenke owns uh, three professional sports teams here in the United States as well: the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Los Angeles Rams. And John, and John Henry owning uh, Roush Fenway Racing and the Boston Red Sox, just to name a couple other assets. So clearly all these, those three themselves only cared about deepening their pockets and getting more of a profit for themselves. And Perez... <laughs> took upon this as took upon what the American owners wanted to do as an idea to you know just create more profits for not only these American owners but also for the other clubs as well. And Agnelli kind of just like rode, uh, kind of like rode the pines, uh, in my opinion, and saw this as an opportunity for him to expand, uh, Juventus's wealth and his vast wealth uh, and assets as well. But, uh, I mean, what, what other thoughts and takes do you ha- did you have on this Super League as things were transpiring on Sunday with, all the, with the announcement and the clubs saying that they were joining it and, uh, and, you know, kind of like any backlash to it as well? So <clears throat> on Sunday when, like, it first started getting, like, that
1: buzz, I was just praying that it was fake and that it wasn't going to go through knowing wholeheartedly that it more than likely was from the reports that were coming out. But I was just hoping that it wasn't real. I mean, for if you're like a broadcast company, yeah, this is probably your dream. But for a football fan, this is just terrible. It would have honestly ruined the game of football completely. It is – when I first saw it, I thought it was a joke, and I was very pissed off about it just because what what were us just normal football fans going to do about it because all of these rich men who just, like you said, they're just worried about deepening their pockets, how much power they actually possessed in this. And, uh but get, I don't know, we'll go into the later days yet when your UEFA started coming out and stuff. But at first it was just kind of like, I was just very pissed off as you were, I'm sure every single like, actual football fan was. Because I'm sure there was probably those fans who just wa- watch games here and there, like when there's only big teams playing, they probably loved the idea because that is, from the outside, looking in, like if you weren't a soccer fan, this is a dream come true to you. But if you're an actual soccer fan, this would have ruined the game completely. Teams wouldn't have cared about their domestic cups anymore. They would have been worried about the Super League because that's where they're going to get most of their money or what more, most of their money would have came from at that point because it would just have been such a rich league.
0: Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. And the thing is, too, it's like because of the announcement at the time of these teams leaving their domestic leagues to go to this super league that was going, that was being planned the domestic, like these teams and the super league itself, they faced a lot of backlash. The premier league came out with a statement condemning it. The Bundesliga did, even though they had no involvement in it. Uh, The French league did as well, even though they had no involvement. UEFA did as well. Uh, it came out with a statement condemning the league. FIFA came out with a half-hearted statement, kind of condemning the league, but I mean, that's in our co- FIFA being FIFA is in our conversation for another day, but I mean for, going off of like what you say about fans and so, like true soccer fans compared to just fans of like the big clubs. Yes. So for the and I'm going to say this not to like insult people, although I probably will, Jeez. the ignorant American soccer fan would have enjoyed the a European Super League because it would feature all the top teams. It would feature man like you said, Man United uh, playing Barcelona every uh, one almost every week. It would feature like Juventus playing Atletico Madrid, uh, you know. So the ignorant American soccer fan would be okay with that that this happening because they would see it as like if college football took all of the top teams and put it, all the top college football programs in a super conference. If they took Alabama, Clemson uh, Notre Dame, Ohio state, Michigan, uh, you know, USC, uh, all those conferences and just put it, put them into one super conference. The, it would be like that in terms of like that, this league would only would get all the focus. Whereas the other leagues, the domestic leagues, the champions leagues, The Champions League, the Europa League, any other like cup competition that happens in European soccer would not, nobody would care about. The same thing would happen, like, you know, for my comparison, for college football, it would happen. College football fans would only care about the super conference. They wouldn't care about the regular conferences like the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, yada, yada, yada. So, that I just wanted to point that comparison out there as to explain how it would work for the ignorant American soccer fan. Um because you know a lot of the listeners and a lot of follower people that have been following this Super League uh drama over the past couple of days, you know, they I, they really don't know like what was happening until they started to realize that like hey no this is actually bad for the actual game of European football, European soccer, whatever you want to call it, because football was created by the working class. Like soccer, European soccer was created by the working man and they needed a, they needed a hobby to get away from work. They needed to, they needed to do come up with something to take them away from like the mines, uh, the mills, the factories back in the, uh, late 19th and early 20th century when all these soccer clubs had formed. So for the so to go on to how a t- an actual soccer fan feels that follows the game, they know that football is really nothing without the fans. So for this league to have, so for this league to be announced for it to be planned, it, Came as a shock and it really upset a lot of people, including, like you said, including us. Uh, I have I've been very vocal um, uh, on my social media against uh, the league uh, up until it's up until it's you know dissolution. It's quick two day dissolution. Um, uh, I know we've talked about it uh, you know uh, privately as well, but I just want to bring up one thing here about. The Super League and compare it to the creation of the Premier League. I saw this. Uh, I saw this actually yesterday. Um, I saw a video. I saw a video about uh, there, like some podcast in England. Uh, they did a video podcast, a YouTube thing, and they were you know just kind of doing a reaction to the Super League, and one of the per- one of the people talking about it, they compared it to the creation of the Premier League back in 1992, when back in the 80s actually, the top executives uh, from the quote unquote big four, big four, big five of the first division. Um, and lo-, lo and behold, the same three cl- the three clubs, uh, you know will be mentioned here that were mentioned for the creation of the Super League, Manchester United, Liverpool, and Arsenal, along with Everton, Um, They had decided that the revenue, they needed more revenue for themselves. They didn't want to keep providing for the smaller clubs in England. They also wanted more TV revenue, which is where, which is where Rupert Murdoch came in. And they also wanted to expand upon their brands, because they had taken notice of how successful American sports have been, particularly the NFL in the 1980s. So I it made me think about that. The creation of the Super League made me think about that, because it was billion it was millionaires at, and and close to billionaires at the time that were trying to make something out of nothing for themselves then. And how the Premier League has grown into what it is today and how the Super League itself like would, you know, be kind of the same thing, you know, out and just being made out of greed. Do you see where I'm coming from?
1: Yeah, I get exactly where you're coming from.
0: Um, So that's one thing I just wanted to bring up there because I feel like and I'm, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I mean, over the years, I mean the game of European football has kind of just been more and more about money, in my opinion. And this was really just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, what, I mean, is there like, what would you say? Like, is there anything else that you like to add on to, like what I just said?
1: Well, in the money thing, I mean, we can look at one team right now who is the number one team in the premier league is dad club is built on money. There is no history there. Um, their owners come in these billionaire owners come and take over the team and just throw their own money into the team. And now you're seeing them become good because of that. And why, when you have that much money, why not try to get more is how they're looking at it. It's just an absolute joke. Like you said, the game of football is, it's made because of the fans, everything, there would be no fans representing this. Everyone has spoke out against this. Plenty of teams or plenty of fans from teams overseas have already gone up. They put up flags and signs and stuff saying their hate for the owners and for this league, and it's just, just exactly like that. Like I feel exactly like them. I'm. Mean, you feel the same way. It's just, I, I just it baffles me that they would actually go through with this, knowing, I don't know if, if they're just too ignorant to realize the backlash they would have got from it or what. Because I mean, as soon as the plan came out, everyone attacked it. Even players on the teams attacked it. They're like, and it's it's, go, it's even worse that the owners run behind the managers and the players backs of these teams to form this league. You, you, like Jurgen Klopp said, he had no idea about this, and like the first he heard about it was on social media, and everyone was talking about it. Like, if you're an owner of a club, you should at least, in my opinion, fill in the people that are working for you to see if they like the idea or not, because they are the source of your income at the end of the day. That. All these owners make their money because of the players on these clubs. I mean, don't get me wrong. All these clubs in here, for the most part, are fantastic clubs, and they dominate their domestic and their domestic leagues. Um, most of them make it far when it comes to the Champions League and even the Europa League. But it would have been a sad sight to see. Um, the have, Because UEFA came out and said, well, they came out a couple days later and said this. But that players wouldn't be allowed to play in like the Champions League or the teams wouldn't be allowed to play in the Champions League. And the players on those teams wouldn't be able to play in the World Cup and in the um
0: the uh, the European Championships. Yeah, European yeah, thank you. Yeah. No, and that's one that's another thing that I'm glad that you touched on there because that's that's one I was just about to go into like all the backlash that came out of this uh from Sunday night on into Monday and eventually into today as well. UEFA hit back right away, obviously condemning it, condemning the Super League. They were calling out the clubs. They They practically called out, uh, I mean, they only called out a certain group of people and practically the names I just mentioned, Agnelli, Perez, uh, Glazer, Henry, and Henry. They didn't call out Cronky though, you know. But then again, uh, Cronky—that's in our conversation for another (laughs) day there. But um, uh, with um, UEFA condemning this league, they did make that statement stating that play any player that support that uh, participated on a team in this super league they would not be allowed to play in a world cup or european competition or represent their countries and i'm thinking and i kind of and that kind of like created a lot of thoughts for myself because a number of these players don't participate in uefa based competitions but in terms of internet and be in terms of representing an international in terms of representing an international team on an international basis so it kind of like put a dent into like you know the structure of the game not just on a domestic and standpoint and also like in in a continental standpoint but an international standpoint because of the structure of international tournaments and who would be able to represent those international tournaments and it kind of put a dent into things. It kind of put a dent into things because everybody was speculating, like, okay, who could represent these nations now, especially with the the, the European Championships that are due to happen this summer after being postponed a year because of the pandemic. So media outlets were kind of like scattering around like okay who could represent this country who can represent this country who can represent this country and if you actually take a look at the list of players that would be eligible to represent some of the top nation some of the top nations um, they um, is most some of them could be very screwed and others wouldn't be really damaged at all uh, France uh, France being one of the France being one of the countries represented that would still have a good squad. But then you look at England's squad, it would be completely decimated because the majority of their players come from the, come from those top six premier league teams. So that's one thing that really caught my eye there. And another thing that caught my eye that caught my attention to this was, you know, just the overall coming together of the fans and you really saw like rival fans of rival clubs, uh, particularly in England. The English fans did not like did not like this at all. Um, all right, English fans
1: f- have been very vocal about this and their hate for it, which was a great thing to see because if there, uh, this is the fans doing that. This league got shut down as soon as it did. This was all the fans. But continue.
0: Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. And I'm glad. Go- yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up because the thing is though is like. The fans got vocal. They not only got vocal, but they got into the streets. They made their they made their case known, going to the ground, going to either the stadiums or the training grounds, making signs. You know, uh, ma- putting uh, making signs, holding protests. Uh, Chelsea you know. stopping the bus today. Chelsea stopping. Uh, yes, the Chelsea Football Club. They had a they had a game today. Probably the most irrelevant soccer game in the history of the game, uh, but uh, they stopped the bus. Uh, Liverpool had a game against Leeds United and Leeds fans held a protest outside of their stadium, protesting Liverpool. Um, uh, I think some Liverpool fans joined that too. They so, did, and they chased the bus down. Yes, so these fans, like, were very vocal. And the thing is, too, is, like, you know, the, gov- the, governments, uh, can- the governments condemned this, too. The uh, English governments in particular. Boris Johnson, the prime minister, said that he would make sure that parliament does whatever it takes to stop this Super League from happening. So between the fans, the government, and also pundits and analysts like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, who are two legends of the English game, uh, both respectfully for Manchester United and Liverpool— with their presence in English me- in the English media, they were able to get their points across about how the game had went mad, uh, the clubs that were participating in this should be ashamed of themselves, particularly those two clubs that they represented. Gary Neville had scathing attacks on Manchester United and Liverpool, particularly because based on the history of those two clubs, you know Liverpool. You'll never walk alone. Uh, you know the uh, a people's club. Manchester United, a working man's club, founded on the ba- founded on the basis of like what a working man stands for. So those two clubs, being as popular as they are, along with just how well known they are, just how well known they are, just in name only, faced a lot of backlash. So, I mean, that's props to those two in particular for making their points known there and just getting the points across about how bad and damaging this Super League would have been, not only for the English game but for the global game as well. I mean, mean, in terms of the backlash and all – and everything that the fans were doing, like, what what would you have to say for that? Like, what, is there anything that you want to add on to, to that? Well,
1: first off, as soon as you saw those two in the booth together, that uh, it was happened to be last night, you knew there was going to be fireworks coming out with this league. But, um, no, like, exactly everything you said, like, just the fans coming together shows, like, shows these owners how much these fans actually care about these games and their team. And now a bunch of these fans feel like they were backstabbed by their owners. And I don't know if they're going to, like, I'm sure they're still going to support the club until the day they die just because that is how, I guess, for, like, Americans, it's like it would be your football team. But I still think even then these football fans over in England have so much more of a love for their club than I think any American could ever have for any of their sports teams, in my opinion. Oh. I think their love for their team is just so embedded and now they feel backstabbed by these owners. And it's just a shame to see just what has conspired in these past two days, three, two and a half days.
0: Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. European soccer fans are the most passionate fans in any sport. And I'm not going to take and, you know, I'm not and I'm going to mention this and I'm not trying to take a jab at you or any fellow members of Bill's Mafia. But you guys always Bill's Mafia always talks about how they're the best fans in the world. And I always see it repeatedly. But I mean, compared to like what how passionate European soccer fans are, Bill's mafia has nothing on them, honestly. I mean it might be the best I, American
1: fans for an American sport, but we're not that's about, we're not that's even about touching the bottom league Premier League side, maybe not even a bottom side of the championship over there. No,
0: definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Those fans, and, and that's another exactly thing I want to bring up. The fans of like the lower tier, lower tiered Premier League teams, and even lower tiered uh, championship team, they like, and even lower tier continental teams. They, those fans and those clubs got like, like those clubs and those fans. They made statements themselves condemning this league, just to show how united they were against the greed and the tyranny of what was going on behind closed doors here. And it does just go to show you that there's power to the people. I mean, it just goes to show that, like you said, the fans are what drive the game and not just any game, honestly. You know, they drive. Yeah. Yeah. They help uh, support America. They drive American sports, but not as much as over overseas honestly over in europe especially with european soccer without the fans the game would be nothing without the fans uh i think the game itself would kind of cease to exist um the fan that we've been uh fan, fans like you and me we've been doing our best to support these clubs that we can and i know that over there they've been watching they've been trying to um uh, support their clubs as much as they can too, even though they can't go to the grounds uh, because of what's going on with the pandemic and everything. But for them, for them to go out and be able to protest and make, and make their voices heard and condemning this league, you know, it kind of just bring, kind of just, you know, makes me happy to see that, like, you know, we, we do have a common interest uh, for, for the most part just to make our voices heard and also get our points across about how bad a Super League would have been for the game in terms of how promotion and relegation and, you know, just the sheer belief of anything could happen on any given Sunday. Whereas in our typical sports, like, you know, the NFL and the NBA come to mind for me, uh, where you would see the same teams play each other on on a weekly basis or on a daily basis in terms of the NBA and the predictability is there. I mean, when it comes to the end, when it comes, especially I'm going to, I'm going to bring up the NBA because there's only like a hat, there's only like a dozen good teams in the NBA and the rest are kind of garbage. Although this season has been kind of, kind of different, but when you see, the when you see the lakers uh, a healthy lakers team on paper going up against the detroit pistons you're expecting the detroit pistons to lose to the lakers when, and it's not even worth watch and it's not even worth watching whereas compared to a year in, in english soccer to to be exact you could see on paper oh uh, new newcastle who are one of the bottom tier teams they they are at home to man city Uh, and it's happened before. I'm still going to watch it. I mean, what it's happened. I've seen Newcastle beat city before. Do I think it's going to happen all the time? No, but the unpredictability is there just because of how, just because of how things are over in England, you know, and just with soccer in general, um, it gets the sheer belief. Um, Leicester City winning the title in 2016 comes to my mind also. If there was a Super League, some, miracles like that wouldn't be able to happen where they defied the odds uh, in uh, finishing above the, the top six uh, and winning the Premier League that, that season. So, you, so that's one thing that I'm glad about how, how European soccer is currently compared to our sports is that unpredictability and just the overall passion. Um, I'm sure you have, I'm sure you have the same thoughts, but uh, is there, are there any other thoughts that you want to add to the points that I was making?
1: No, I, you, you literally just said everything I was thinking, to be honest, it's yeah. You really touched everything that I was going to say. Basically just took my words away from me.
0: I apologize, there, my good friend. No,
1: you're fine. But that's just—I mean, me and you know, we basically feel the same way about soccer. Besides, when it comes to Liverpool versus Man United, but other than that, we share the same thoughts and feelings.
0: <laughs> oh, without, without, without a doubt, without a doubt. So I did you... wanna—I
1: did wanna—I don't know if you're gonna hit on this later or not, but I did wanna talk to you about what. What do you think would it would look like for players say this Super League? went through, what do you think players would have done in like the transfer window? Do you think they would have tried to get out of there and try to go to like a, like probably either like a top German club or like a French club or like a lower premier league team or something? How do you think that would have worked?
0: Oh, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because I was Well, first off, a lot of players were condemning the super league. Yeah. So I don't think, I think that they would have tried. I think that they would have probably tried to strike against the, against the league so it probably would have gotten dissolved that way. But if the super league went through, actually, I feel like a lot of players would force themselves out of their clubs to try and go somewhere else just so they just to send a message. And that's another thing that I'm glad you brought up because one of the clubs that was not invited to participate in the super league, uh, Paris, Saint, Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, uh, in the French League, uh, for anybody that doesn't follow European soccer, uh, they came out and said that anybody that uh, was to, was going to transfer out of PSG, um, if the Super League took effect, they wouldn't sell their players to Super League teams. So, like, if Kylian Mbappe wanted to leave PSG, look at all the clubs that are linked to Kylian Mbappe. They they all would have. They were all Super League teams. They were all teams that signed up to be part of the Super League. Liverpool, Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, uh, even even United and City. I'm sure that they were that they were linked to him too. Like all those clubs, they wouldn't have been able to get one of the best players in the world just because of what they had signed up for. No, yeah. Exactly. That's
1: my, that's what my thoughts exactly were like. I thought either players would just strike against or try to force themselves out of the club. And then I also, and even you think about it, uh, Holland, he's been linked with uh, United. He probably wouldn't have moved now.
0: Oh, Oh, without a doubt.
1: I don't Rucci. see any player wanting to go play for one of these clubs that would have been in this super league. Just be based on the fact that they don't condone it. No, no players here condone this league. And, at, at, I mean, all the Jordan Henderson was going to hold a meeting tonight about it with the other captains of the top six Premier League clubs. Um, I mean, Jurgen Klopp said, like, his future was – as a manager, he said his future was uh, unsure what the club he said he was going to finish out his contract, but, like, after that, because, I mean, that's the kind of man that he is, but he said he wasn't really too sure about what the future is going to hold for him now because of this. Oh. He just could have sent a whole shockwave through all of European football just based on managers because, like, Zindain spoke out against it. You had – I think basically every manager that was a part of it came out and spoke out against it from what I saw. Uh, Almost – I mean, I, uh, I, uh, Pep spoke out against it. I haven't seen anything from uh, the Italian clubs.
0: The Italian clubs were the only clubs not to – uh, the Italian clubs and Barcelona were not – were. The only and actually Atletico. Well, the Italian clubs and Spanish clubs were the only ones not to mention anything. Um, uh, the Spanish clubs, uh, except for Real Madrid, obviously, they made state. They they decided to pull out uh, today, which helped lead to the. Dissolution of this uh, wonderful short-lived league, uh, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but the Italian clubs, Juventus, and the two Milan clubs were the only two not to actually make any statements on anything in terms of condemning the league or pulling out of the league. Their players didn't say anything. Their managers didn't say anything. I mean, I can see, like, I, it, that makes sense from a, for a Juventus point of view. If I was a Juventus fan, I would have been pissed. Not only because the players didn't say anything and neither did management, but also because their owner and chairman, Andrea Agnelli, was one of the driving forces behind this. So I feel like in terms of that, because Agnelli played such a pivotal role in this league, he would have been one of the vice chairmen, by the way, along with Joel Glazer. Um, so So I feel like Juventus players and managers and coaches, they felt like, they could have had ramifications against them if they spoke out against what Agnelli's plans were or plans of the Super League. So there's that fear factor there. But going off of what you said about other managers and players, um, Zinedine Zidane, uh, he spoke out against it. He said it wasn't his business. He says it's up to the president. But obviously he hinted that he wasn't supporting it without yeah. saying he wasn't supporting it because obviously you're not going to try and get fired here by, by your boss. Um, Pep Guardiola spoke out against it, saying that pretty much saying it was pointless. Jurgen Klopp obviously was a huge critic of it, even back in 2018, like you said, when there were rumors that it may happen. Uh, back then, um, only Ole did not really say anything himself as manager, but a lot of Man United players actually came out in protest and uh, spoke out against it. Uh, Bruno Fernandez posting social media messages. Marcus Rashford was very critical as well. Uh, but Marcus Rashford's probably the most vocal person on Manchester United in terms of any issue uh, relating to not just European football, but also other issues as well. Uh, and for him to do that at such a young age, he's – practically he's like our age i just commend him and credit him for what he has done uh but going oh, off... just on this just all work he's done over there in europe just to help that country out he is
1: a he is a class act as a person for how young he is and that takes a lot to do for that young age to be that classy
0: oh without a doubt without a doubt and then you had luke shaw and harry Maguire, who were who actually called out at woodward the Former, former, soon to be former executive vice chairman of Manchester United, Harry Maguire actually confronted uh, Ed Woodward like face to face and told him that it was stu- that what they were doing was wrong. And
1: I would have loved to see that conversation, how it happened.
0: Harry Maguire has <laughs> Harry Maguire actually, a big man. Harry Maguire has actually gained a lot of respect be- just because of that kind of confrontation. Because for many people that don't know about European soccer or Manchester United or watch it, uh, or if they do watch it and don't really see like how he performs on the pitch, he gets a lot of criticism because of what he has done on the pitch uh, for what he does on the pitch uh, sometimes, not just for club, but also for the English national team. But because of what was going, but because of this, he gained a lot of respect, uh, including a couple people that I know in a group chat I have. Uh, they, fi- they finally admitted that, uh, that they have the respect of both McGuire and Shaw. So that kind of brought some joy to me. I have a but, feeling this
1: McGuire respect will only be around for this week, and then people are going to see him back on the pitch, again, especially when it comes to him playing for the national team. He does really well for the national team, though. People hate him
0: still. So. Yeah, they do hate him. I don't. uh goddamn!
1: You know, every team's got to have a villain. He
0: just seems to be the villain where uh, wherever he goes. That's fair. That's fair. But back on to this, yes. this reaction from the players and everything, it kind of, you know, brought it. It kind of brought joy to me because you know, me being a Manchester United fan, um, I'm very vocal about how I I hate the Glazers. I hate the Glazer ownership. Um, I feel that the Glazers only came into the club when they took over in 2005 to just profitize off of the brand and the name of the club and only, ha- only care for themselves without actually doing anything to benefit the club. Um, the Glazers, uh, I- you know, when I found out that Joel Glazer was a huge driving force behind this uh, Super League idea, it pissed me off like tenfold, honestly. Because uh, he's the Glazers are probably some of the biggest dickhead owners in any profe- in all of professional sports. Um, uh, and I and I don't care that Tampa the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a Super Bowl under their own two Super Bowls under the Glazers' ownership, um, uh, especially this one just recently. But they, they know nothing about European soccer. Um, they, they, they can go back to the Florida Everglades for all I care because they spend more time there than they do in Manchester. I don't even remember the last time they actually came to a game. Um, actually, I'd say they can come back up here to their hometown of Rochester, but... They could fuck right off. I, if I ever saw them, oh my god, I tell them, to, I tell them to piss off, honestly, because they just don't, they don't, they don't know anything. There's a lot of people here in Rochester that actually don't like the Glazers because of how, they support Manchester United. There's a lot of fans. There's a lot of people here that don't like them because of their business uh, uh, ideals, and there's a lot of people here in Rochester that don't like them because they're just passionate Man United fans. But um, uh, going off of that for United, I'm sure you, as a Liverpool supporter, uh, you had to have strong feelings about John Henry and his role that he played in what was going on. <clears throat> well, I mean, I've
1: we've all know, I've always known he's been like a scumbag and only out of his pockets. I mean, especially just this past season when we laws all our defenders. Like I don't want to get off topic here, but I'm just gonna show you just where like I, I just never liked him as an owner. I mean, sure, whatever he can do whatever he does with the Red Sox, I don't don't care about the Red Sox. When it comes to Liverpool, he will not dip into his own pockets to bring players we need to this club. And that's kind of where it started with this this past winter transfer window the in January when we were missing three our three center backs. And he wouldn't dip money into his pocket to bring in any good defenders. I mean, thankfully he we brought in a couple, but they're not what we could have. And now him going and doing this behind everyone's back, it just doesn't surprise me. I mean, it just seems that's the kind of person he is where he's only worried about his own pocket and doesn't care about the people that he's affecting around him, especially owning Liverpool. I mean, you gotta know how passionate those fans are. I mean, they're they've been through the ringer with this team and uh, now to put them through this and kind of like take their, I don't know if you could say they took their love away from the club, but definitely away from ownership. But uh, I saw a lot of stuff on uh, Twitter today saying uh, FSG out, which is Fenway sports group for those who don't know. Uh, It just seems like everyone wants him gone now. I mean, it was only a matter of time to be honest because he's, yeah, I mean the team has won a champions league and premier league in the last three years, but, um, well, two years actually, but, um, he just will never do anything to benefit the club unless
0: it doesn't benefit him more. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, since now going into today, Tuesday, the 20th, um, The Super League practically is dissolved right now. The idea just has been squashed because of the fan outrage, uh, not just towards the clubs, but also towards ownership. And now there's huge ramifications that need to be made uh, just because of what has happened. Because in terms of it, these fans are not going to forgive the ownerships of these clubs of what, what happened, especially in England, Okay. Uh, Manchester United, like I just said, Ed Woodward, the executive vice chairman of Manchester United, is leaving at the end of the season um, because of his role that he played in creating the Super League. Now, for those that don't know uh, about Ed Woodward, he when he came on to and into Manchester United when the Glazers took over back in 2005, he was their personal banker. He was the banker for the Glazers, he worked for JP Morgan Chase. JP Morgan Chase was one of the driving forces in terms of financial backers. In fact, they were the financial backer for this Super League. So when the Super League fell through and the announcement was that United was pulling out along with the other five, five English clubs and the announcement that the Super League wasn't happening, Ed Woodward Practically knew that his time had come at Manchester United. Okay, so for him to leave is—it's a glorious day to be a Manchester United fan. To be honest, I'm going to be honest with you. Man United fans have wanted him gone for years. They've wanted the Glazers gone since practically since day one. They never wanted the Glazers in. Um, so because of what had happened with this fallout, Ed Woodward resigned. He's leaving at the end of the season. Um, He probably won't have a job with J.P. Morgan when he comes back to America. (laughs) I I would fire him right – he steps off the plane, you're fired. Actually, I'd fire him today. The
1: only problem is Americans don't care
0: about uh, soccer like that, so – they only care about money, they, especially J, especially finan, big financial backers oh, like J P Morgan yeah. Chase, J P Morgan Chase. But yeah, going off of o- other ownership groups, uh, Liverpool they want the Fenway Sports Group out. They really Liverpool fans, especially in England, really haven't been big fans of uh, the Fenway Sports Group since Henry took over complete uh, ownership of the team. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so this just stirs the this just stirs the pot there. Um, the fan group that really is pissed off and they continue to be pissed off with their ownership group is our, our Arsenal fans. They have been calling for Kroenke out practically since like, since like 24, since 20, pretty much since early 2010. I was going to say Wagner, Wagner was still there when they wanted him gone. They wanted Kroenke gone because, before they wanted Wagner gone because of Oh, often because of how bad and incons- horrible the team was on the pitch but that wasn't his fault that wasn't was his fault. his fault so because of how bad ownership has been over the years at arsenal this has made the the relationship between the fans of arsenal and crunky even worse and um troops uh for those that don't know <laughs> who troops is uh he is formerly of AFTV Media and now works for Barstool Sports and has his own podcast there called Back Again. I'm promoting another podcast that doesn't even know I exist, by the way. But, uh, maybe they'll but, call um, us out one uh, day. Yeah. Hey, may- maybe we'll try and get troops on. Maybe we'll try <laughs> to get troops on. But, um, uh, yeah, so he has been condemning crunky pretty much since day one. Um, you know, there's the hashtag Cronky out that has resurfaced over the years. So not just only are United fans trying to take control of their club again, Liverpool fans and Arsenal fans are also trying to gain control of their club and how it used to be and how things used to be before these American owners came into their club, into these soccer clubs and made them what they are currently, even though they have some on on the field success, the off the field ramifications are just too much for the English fans, because they just see these owners as greedy fucks, which in reality they are, and they probably should have no investment in European soccer as a whole. But on an overall basis so with everything with everything that's going on is there anything you would like to add about the fallout of this now failed super league
1: nothing i want to add to the fallout but i'm curious if any of these owners are actually going to come out and apologize to the fans if they haven't already oh um, but i just i don't see it happening just because that is the type of people that these owners are it's me, me before everyone else. So I don't think any of these owners actually come out and apologize because they don't want to say they were in the wrong. But I could be wrong. Do you think any of these owners come out and apologize for what they have just done? Or do you think they just kind of let it fade off into the past? Now, now, don't get me wrong. I would say probably within the next 15 years, we will see a Super League. I don't know if I'm wrong about that. I might be, but how do you feel about both of those things? Because I, it, I, th- I feel like at this point now, it's just inevitable, but I don't so, know.
0: So going off of the first thing with how owners should apologize or face ramifications, and not just for English clubs, but for clubs all over, um, uh, and, and the Italian clubs, I feel like should take a hat. I feel like Italian club ownerships, uh, especially Agnelli, should uh, face some ramifications too and he should be out at Juventus, but Arsenal um, actually apologized to the fans in a statement uh, when they announced that they were pulling out of the Super League, whereas uh, City and Chelsea, they made some apologies too, Um, but United and Tottenham just kind of said that they were pulling out um Tottenham, I feel like they just joined it because they wanted the <laughs> money, because that's how Daniel Levy is. So I don't think he really actually he just saw dollar signs. I'm not gonna put it past Tottenham fans. I do not see the Glazers apologizing at, at all, or even or even Liverpool, or even Liverpool ownership. I don't see them apologizing. Um my per in in a perfect world, in my opinion, I feel like both ownership groups there should be gone and new ownership groups should take over or even in terms of how the how clubs are run in england should be run how they're how they are in germany yeah so for listeners of the podcast um german football clubs like i said it's like the packers uh except it's a 50 plus one so like 49 percent of the club is owned by like shareholders, like actual like executives and stuff. And the other 51 per 50 plus one 51 is owned by the supporters or of the teams with the supporters trust or something like that. So that's what, and there have been people on uh, Twitter uh, calling for the 50 plus one to take effect in England, and they want the English government to make it mandatory. So I'm w- I'm wondering how that will work out. I'm w- I'm interested to see how the fallout of that happens. Um, to go on to your other thing of whether a super league will happen or not, I hope we're both wrong on this, but I do feel like that a super league will happen, and I just want to. Explain why I think it'll happen first,
1: hey, but before you get into that, um, before we get into that, I just want to see well, two, two quick things. Um, do you think Florentino Perez ever apologizes? I would say probably not. No, okay, and he also, um, I was just on Twitter just checking updates on what's going on with this. Um, he actually just dodged an interview, he dodged a scheduled interview.
0: Yeah, he dodged a scheduled interview because he's a nutcase. So uh, before I go into why I think a Super League will happen, Florentino Perez actually needs to like be kicked out of Real Madrid and out of football because the comments he has made over the past couple of days uh, about European football, European soccer, whatever you want to call it, he's just been nonsensical. He mm-hmm. talked about how the Super League would try to save football. Then he talked about how kids, uh, especially – ages 16 to 24 they had no interest in the game at all and now he try and how he wants it to be shortened from 90 minutes and i really didn't want to talk about this but i'll mention it briefly but that's just fucking stupid like he is like i don't know like what i don't know how much fucking acid is in this man's brain (laughs) for him to actually fucking say this bullshit but the game has... I never liked Florentino Perez to begin with, though, In his first stint as Real Madrid president with the Galacticos, I'm glad that that Galacticos era failed because of how bad he was as a leader for that club. Mm-hmm. Um, it upsets me that this era of his presidency is one of the most successful eras in the history of Real Madrid, but the game has passed him by. I feel like he needs to go... And the comments that he made have pissed off a lot of people. I'm sure. I'm sure they've pissed you off. They've pissed me off. There's a lot of people I know. Uh, you know, uh, I know as well that ha- that they are pissed at too because I was sharing uh, the comments made v- via text or sharing them via Twitter or whatnot. Um, but. Going back into whether I think a Super League will happen, I do think it will happen. I hope that neither of us have to see a Super League happen in our lifetime. But going off of the comments I made about the creation of the Premier League in 92 and back to the 80s of how it was created, um, I think the Super League will will come off of a plan like that. They'll see how popular other leagues have the super, people that will create the super league they will see how popular other leagues without promotion and relegation are like our sports like the nfl like the nba they'll see how popular they have become into brands they will also take into effect uh, they will also take into effect uh, and into ramifications of the political and economic climate of the world at the time when the premier league was created in 1992 when they were discussing it in the late eighties England at the time was run by Margaret was governed by Margaret Thatcher, very powerful, conservative, uh, the Thatcher government was not well liked for those that actually, for those that, you know, for those that actually don't know who Margaret Thatcher was or how that government was in the eighties. She wasn't well liked. Um, soccer was not popular in England. Uh, mainly because of the high mainly because of uh hooliganism and also just because of how deteriorating the facilities were as well as the on pro, on the uh, on the field uh, product too it was kind of bad so they had decided to take what was going on in the political and economical climate of soccer in England at the time and rebrand it for themselves to make it to eventually make it the brand it is today so these people that will eventually create this super league in the future again hope i i hope it doesn't happen they'll see what's going on with the economic climate because of how the pandemic has been going on who knows if the rollover effect will continue on over the next few years um the 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 political climate of government as well always changes too and then just the overall popularity the game is as po- the game is the game of soccer sport of european football however whatever you want to call it however you want to describe it it's the most popular sport or game in the world right now that's why it failed now they don't want to deteriorate from that popularity but if it ever does take a dip in terms of the product or in terms of anything associated with the product, that's why I think a Super League will be created, just to bring up the brand of European football, just to bring, up, just to bring up the brand of these clubs once again.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, I I agree with that exactly. Everything you said, um, it definitely will over the next few years come up in talks again. And just seeing how it would work out. I mean, I would hate to see. I mean, I would hate to see a playoff, like a playoff type format in soccer. I mean, I love how it is now. I love the promotion relegation part of the game. That's what makes it exciting. Um, I just wouldn't want to see, like a, uh, like how the MLS is now. Kind of like I get the playoffs are exciting, but I wish the U.S. Um, I know we said we we're gonna talk about this on another episode, but I wish the U.S. would go into where we could have more money in soccer in soccer and have more teams so we could have promotion relegation going on and just maybe building a better US talent in soccer, but I would just hate to see that like sorry to get off topic there a little bit, but I would just hate to see that kind of format in like our top class of soccer. Like people love the Champions League now. I get yes the Champions League or anything you wait for does like a Champions League Europa League. I th- they could probably do something a little different about that, especially to make some of these bigger clubs happy like their moneymakers happy, I guess they could do that. But I would just hate to see all these clubs just kind of go off and do their own thing. Oh, yeah, no, I completely understand
0: where you're coming from. And UEFA has been trying to reform the Champions League and other the- European competitions as well. And that's another reason why I think the smoke came for this from this Super League because they were kind of pissed off at how the reforms were going to be uh, in terms of the Champions League especially. Um, uh, but I mean, UEFA has been, you, you, you can't just make the big clubs happy. All you can't just make the big clubs happy. No, you, you can't, you can, but at the same time, you no, I, mean, I said you can't. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can't, no, you, you can't, you really can't. You try to as much as you can, but you need to make the game, and this is for all sports. Yes, you want it to be profitable, but you also need to have competitive balance. You need to have the competitiveness in terms of not just domestic leagues, but also in terms of the Champions League, the Europa League, other competitions and other competitions as well. So So that's why the Super League would have failed as well. Because the competitive balance, while the competitive balance might have been there, um, European soccer fans would not have liked to see, like, an NFL-type schedule uh, week in, week out, where, te- and just to go back onto that, where those teams face each other twice a season without the fact, without, uh, and what would they even be competing for? Because, right. uh, what would they even be competing for? Like, oh, you billion Billion f- dollars? Yeah, billion, yeah, billion dollars. Yeah, that's practically that, that club right would really
1: or that this league would, honestly could probably have that much money,
0: but I doubt it would take a hit because I don't think any fans would show up to those games. No, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, honestly. But and but like like we said, you know, it it came, it saw, it had no games, <laughs> it, it had one manager fired. Um uh, Jose Mourinho is the only manager in Super League history to have ever gotten fired. Um, uh, but, uh, it had no fans, it had no revenue and it had over a billion negative tweets about it. So, uh, I I think it's safe to say that this league was a huge, this idea of a super league was a huge failure in any retrospect. There was Um, one good thing to come out of it. What was that? (laughs) The memes. Some of the memes were great. Oh yeah, the memes were great. The memes were great. I've th- I thought you were gonna have a whole hard a whole hard sentimental. Oh no, there say. there is
1: nothing good that came out of this league besides the memes.
0: Oh I mean, come on, any,
1: any- anyone anyone bashing Tottenham today just got me.
0: Yeah, anything <laughs> bashing Tottenham or Arsenal, I will agree, agree was there. Yes, the memes were hilarious about it. But I was gonna say, like the uniting of the fans, that's probably the only good thing that came about it. Yeah, that- I mean, you really don't see people come together over other topics of discussion, uh, other topics that I'm not going to bring up on this podcast at all because (laughs) they will just cause argument there. But other topics that have been talk of the talk of any of society, you know, they always divide people and whatnot, but this, the hatred of this super league really brought out everybody. You know, they came from, un- they crawled out from under rocks, under sewer holes, you know, they crawled out of bed. Uh, they, they practically just came out of nowhere and said, Hey, fuck this. And that's probably the best thing that I saw other than the memes. The memes were hilarious. Um, uh, although I would have liked to see, I would have loved uh, the themes. Yeah, I would have loved to hear the theme song for the Super League. You just kind of hear like, "Here comes the money, here comes the money." Right, you it's know, like, like
1: Shane. It's like Shane McMahon walking his entrance. It's like Shane McMahon's
0: entrance, exactly, exactly. But with that being said, sir, do you have any final thoughts on? Uh, on everything that transpired with this Super League in the past couple of days from its creation to its quick dissolution.
1: Right, its quick demise. It came, it saw, it definitely didn't conquer. But, um, no, I just wish – this is probably too far-fetched for that to ever happen, but I just wish players would come together like this against VAR. That is the next thing that is ruining this game, and I think players need to take up a stand against that as well.
0: Players definitely need to take a stand against VAR. VAR, especially in England, is to, is ruining the game. I wish players would also take a stand. More, uh, uh, you know, play, not just players, some, um, uh, not just players, but other people as well that part, uh, are involved in the game. Uh, racism. I will mention this. Racism is a huge issue in soccer. It's a huge issue. It's it's a huge issue everywhere. And I will say that, like you know. A lot of people, a lot of people were mentioning like okay, a lot of people were mentioning that players and fans and everything you know jumped quickly to this, whereas you know they've been silent on the whole issue of rape, of racism, and they are right. So I will say that. Um, but other than that, like you said, the. The Super League, it came, it saw, it saw a billion negative tweets. definitely didn't, con- definitely didn't conquer. Uh, sorry, Spartak Moscow fans, you did not win uh, the 2018 UEFA Champions League. Wolverhampton Wanderers, I'm sorry, you did not win the 2019 Champions League. Um, no, the um, Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. Premier League, yep, the 2019 Southampton, You know, in 2014-15, so you sit down. <laughs> so you sit down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Everton, I'm sorry, you still haven't won a trophy since 1995. Because <laughs> Liverpool's red. Because Liverpool, exactly. Um, uh, But, yeah, I mean, with that being said there, uh, to the listeners of the podcast, uh, that's pretty much all you need to know about the past couple of days with the Super League, uh, you know. Uh, this is the, a new beginning for this podcast. Uh, you can listen to and subscribe to the lonely heart sports podcast on Apple and or Spotify. Uh, we've also created an Instagram page uh, where you can follow us on Instagram at lonely heart sports podcast. Uh, and with that being said, I conclude this episode. Uh, thank you for coming on, sir. And, uh, we'll talk soon.
1: It's all good. Everyone have a, whenever you listen, have a safe rest of your evening
0: day, whenever you listen to this. So thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, good sir. And I will join you again for our next episode. Sounds good.